Welcome, John Cooper. How are you yes, today? Hello. I'm very good, thank you. Glad to be here. Wonderful. So tell me about your awakening journey. Well, um, I've always uh, had a wide range of interests. And um, when I was young, I, um, I went to the church with my grandmother a lot. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I had mixed feelings about it. Some I enjoyed, some I didn't like. But then I had something called confirmation. Oh, yes. And confirmation is where they, they say you're now an adult in the church. Mm -hmm. So I went through the thing and there was an exam. Everything was fine. But then I had um, uh, like the ceremony, the final ceremony where you, uh, it completes the whole process. And it happened that there was this very amazing bishop who happened to be there. And so uh, he put his hands on my head. I was the last person, the mm. last uh, boy. It was all boys. And I got a, an incredible zap that went right through my body. I've never had, it was like a bolt of, of lightning. I've mm -hmm. never mm -hmm. had any experience. I've I, I, No drugs, nothing has been like this. It, it was just completely overpowering. And I know a, I know a no Qigong idea. master in Sydney who's like this. I've experienced it. It was, it was as Qigong much master. as I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, and so I was walking around in a daze. Um, mm. uh, so I didn't know what happened to me. I certainly didn't expect it. And then I was talking to my grandmother a little later, and, and she started to talk about how, you know, Native Americans uh, deserved what they got and all of this kind of stuff. And I thought, wow, you know, all of a sudden, the woman who was taking me to church was coming up with all this other stuff. So, so what it said to me, in effect, I worked it out over the next few weeks was, you know, the personal spiritual experience is very important, but that uh, doesn't necessarily need to be tied to some kind of institution or some social pressure or anything. Mm. And so I really feel as though it shaped, I mean, it was a very big influence on my whole life because I, I think it shaped a lot of my personality. And certainly my approach to spiritual growth. So that was like a, a jump start of my spiritual. And then where did you go? What Sorry? Happened where did you go? Where did it take you? Well, Next. so then what happened was um, soon afterwards, we went to New York City and I started to read uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and philosophy a, a lot. So I was only 14, but I tried to do that. So that really opened me up to a different world. Um, but then when I was uh, 16, I went to a Quaker. Do you know the Quakers, the Friends? Yeah, yeah. I've never been to their actual events, but I kind the of meeting, yeah. have been to meetings based on their ideas, not actually okay. the Quakers, but other people. Well, I, I went there. I, again, I had no idea what to expect. I was just with a friend. But um, the openness and the dynamism and the spirituality that I never got from a regular church really overwhelmed me mm. also. So then <laughs> I joined up for the, they had a special college, a university there. Um, and the idea of this university is uh, fitted me perfectly. You, you learn not by reading, but by experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so, believe it or not, I spent the next four years getting a bachelor's degree, traveling around the world <laughs> and doing whatever I wanted. Uh -huh. So I had my 19th birthday in a village in Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And yeah, I mean, I won't go into all of that, but you so can what imagine. Do they call I, the, what do they call the degree at the end of that? Well, it was called Friends World Institute. No, right. um, well, it's got a Bachelor of what? Bachelor of it's, it's, We called it um, International Studies. International Studies. <laughs> <laughs> Which is appropriate. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, so I, I went four continents over mm. the next four years. Uh, and I spent a tremendous amount of time, including I lived in Varanasi in uh, northern India, you know. Um, mm. I just sort of made my way there. And I, I started to see a pattern where if I kind of opened myself to spiritual growth, it would happen to me almost uh, without any real um, you know, purpose of my own exactly any more than that. So for example, I was walking around Varanasi uh, and a voice told me, I, I was next to a wall and it said, go inside this wall. And I went inside um, and the man said, can I help you? Uh, I said, yeah, I just want, what is this? This is the Sanskrit university. So is the, the number one um, philosophy, you know, university of mm. Hinduism which I had no idea. Um, and he said, yeah, I've got someone for you to meet. So he took me to meet this man who turned out his name Subramaniam, who turns out is the, the Hinduism's number one expert in Advaita Vedanta. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. so cool guy to meet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just completely ridiculous. I, I, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just sort of floated in and and I said, yeah, here's what I am. I'd love to learn from you. And so he gave me free lessons just in his mm. spare time. Uh, and then I went and I stayed with some uh, Tibetan Buddhists in Nepal. I mean, it's just been one after another. But um, uh, I also most recently uh, lived in Central Asia uh, for nine years. Um, in fact, I'm married now to a woman who's a shaman from Kazakhstan. Wow. And it, the same thing happened. I was just talking to a student. I was a professor for many years. I was talking to one of my students. And for some reason, I said, are you interested in shaman? And she said, yeah, I love it. Let me introduce you to it. So <laughs> she, she knew all of these people, you know, in the whole of Central Asia. And so... Um, I went to ceremonies, I went to training sessions, you know, it was just uh, an amazing experience, just because I was open. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, was, I went, I was in Sri Lanka, the same thing. I, I was just hitchhiking around Sri Lanka, I didn't know what I was after. And a bus went by me, uh, like a, a school bus, but it stopped and it came back. And it was full of these men. And it turned out that they were Buddhist pilgrims. And they, they had, a, a, it was like their, their big, um, their, their lifelong big trip around all the Buddhist areas of Sri Lanka. And there are many amazing places there. Mm -hmm. So they invited me to go with them. Um, and the only reason they invited me is because I wore my long hair behind, like a little on the knot behind my head. And they loved that idea that a Westerner was doing that. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because of that, I spent 10 days traveling all over Sri Lanka and going to all of these sacred sites. And they would take me into rooms that only Buddhists would know about, mm. you know. Mm. And I mean, they just took such good care of me. Um, and then uh, uh, in northern Sri Lanka, uh, a little girl came up to me on the street and she said, hello, Sami. 
And my seven parents, Sami, what's that? And they said, our daughter thinks that you're a Swami. <laughs> and she said, and they said, I think we should take you to this ashram. <laughs> and so they took me to an ashram and I stayed there for a, for a long time, you know, learning about Hinduism and getting involved in that. So uh, there's many more stories, but those give you a pretty good flavor of that whole side of my experience. What do you think you what do you think is the most important thing you learned in that time? Well, I mean, of course I it, it put the whole world, the whole universe in a different light for me, mm. um, which I was open to, but I, again I, I didn't really arrange, but it happened. But it, for, I mean the main thing that I think is that it showed me that um, you know that our spiritual awareness um, happens all the time. Uh, if we're open to it, uh, and they just, I'm of course, of course, we go to temples and we go to churches and so on. But, but the main thing is that if you can find the spiritual and anything in front of you in your activities, for example, when I was a teacher, I would often have a, like a spiritual buzz when the student really got something seriously, it changed mm. them something in their minds. I think that you know that that's another way. Also. Um, I'm a musician, not nothing like you, but on my own small way, I'm a musician. What do you play? And so, yeah, I studied an instrument in Kazakhstan called the kobuz. Yeah, what does it look um, like? What kind of instrument is it? Um, it's a two-string. It's carved out of a single piece of wood. It has a bit of goat hide and mm. then two horsehair strings, and you play it with a horsehair bow. So it's a kind of a violin thing. It is something like that, uh, but the idea is it's small enough so that the shamans would um, would play it. Uh, it's it's considered the most direct uh, conduit to Tengri, and Tengri means God for them. It's like the, the supreme so spirit. That, so it, is it kind of similar to the Mongolian? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. similar, and the, there's some Chinese instruments in a similar family. Yeah. But this is by far the most ancient um, instrument mm. um, in that area. So I, I studied that and, you know, and then playing it badly, but in <laughs> even, even trying it, it just, all of a sudden, it was like I was making a connection. And what makes it even more interesting is that I, I, it has this interesting cadence and I couldn't quite figure it out. And I finally realized that, <laughs> that the cobras, the rhythm of the music is, follows the camel. Because the shamans were always on the back of a camel. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so this is, you know, how to connect with Tengri on a camel. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I see. On a camel with, should... a, with a violin. Yeah. That, that's right. Going all across... different ways. I'd love to try <laughs> an instrument like that. The violin is, is beautiful to play, but yeah. it's more human emotion. It, it plays more like sadness right. and 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 the, our worldly emotion rather than the the transcendent right. well this is very it's like um sort of like a cello but funky yeah um, <laughs> so yeah it's uh I'll, unfortunately mine was stolen in in cairo but anyway yeah, okay. um yeah yeah so uh, did you have another question or? i've always got questions or things okay. to say well, one or the other yeah, I have a lot. Um, and there's a whole other dimension that I, I really want to mention because this has also yeah, been a big part of my life, which has been a connection with nature. 
um, mm. which I know is important for you also. Um, I, you know, I always love spending time in nature um, and on various places in various ways. Um, but when I was traveling, uh, for example, I was in Africa and I spent time um, out um, uh, with uh, animals. Um, uh, and then when I went to um, England, I went. I, I was a co-founder of a place called the Monkey Sanctuary. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's in Cornwall. No, no. Anyway, uh, it was like a revolutionary idea of taking care of wild animals. So we had one species of monkey, um, the woolly monkey from the, uh, the Amazon. Okay. Um, and this, um, uh, this, the idea was to allow them to recreate a whole natural social life of their own. Um, and uh, so instead of, the, and it's really an anti-zoo. So mm. instead of the normal thing, they, there were uh, 18, 20, 22 monkeys. Many of them were born there. I was there at the birth of many of the monkeys. And there was such a trust that the mother monkeys would come to the baby just one or two minutes old and bring the babies to all of us, including me. Wow, beautiful. Just to show us this newborn baby. We mm -hmm. still had the umbilical cord, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I lived there for almost 10 years. Uh, with the monkeys, so we are a human family. Um, my son was born there, and the monkey family. We were really all together. Love um, they would visit us; we'd visit them. Mm -hmm. And so, what are you what, what what are you learning in your journey at the moment? Is, well, what am I doing at the moment? Well, in terms of your inner inner world, yeah, I'd like to about your outer world. After. Well. Uh, it happens that um, that by it's very another strange accident. I met a woman online uh, in Kazakhstan. I was living in the main city Almaty, and she was in a, a little a small town in the far north, up near you know the Altai, like the um, it's oh, part no, of Siberia. It's incredible. It, it's magical. Yeah. Yeah. So she she was from a village there, and so she is a shaman. Um, her daughter, my stepdaughter, is a shaman also. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do a lot of ceremonies and uh, other things with her. Um, some of it is traditional, um, like Central Asian. Some of it is Indian. Mm -hmm. um, so, but the main thing that I do kind of to follow from what I was saying is that I try to uh, imbue um, the spirituality into everything I do, into everything I have you know like cooking can be very spiritual if you mm -hmm. allow it to be for mm -hmm. example uh, and so these are some of the things that i um you know that i try to do um, how do you think time. you do that can you do you think you can describe the process how do you imbue spirituality into into worldly action well i'll try i mean obviously everyone Difficult is very question. different yeah, but try yeah, of course, it's a little bit big, but <laughs> mm -hmm. no. Okay, how would I describe it? I would say that um, my, and I do want to talk about my um, my new theory in a few minutes, mm -hmm. but what I'm trying, what I try to do is to connect, make a connection. I think that we, um, I mean, as science discovers now, all of us are always more energy than anything else. Um, and this energy comes from all over and it goes to all over. And so I try to um, res 
resonate with that energy to be more aware of it. And, you know, so when I do, for example, if I do something and, and it doesn't feel right, I will try to dig into what I was doing. Um, what does it mean to me? Um, did I miss the spiritual boat? Something like that. Um, so I use it as a almost you know, it's kind of a scientific way, as well as just um, appreciating, you know, the gratitude, because I have a lot to be grateful for. Um, and so I would say that the experience that I have now of, um, of spirituality is just uh, extending the awareness, deepening and extending it um, in many directions. So uh, when I do science, uh, it can also have occasionally a little bit of that. Uh, whatever I'm doing um, is I, I try to bring in a spiritual uh, component, mm -hmm. which really... Um, it puts the context around everything else for me. Beautiful. So what are you doing these days? Well, at the moment, I just, I recently retired as a professor. I was mm. a, I have a PhD in uh, communication, mm. um, and which was a wonderful move because it uh, allowed me to work all over the world. That's what took me to Central Asia, mm. for example. Uh, it took me to Kuwait and and Latvia. I mean, uh, uh, it's been very good, uh, and I enjoy it. I love science. Uh, I always have. But um, the main thing that I do now is I'm retired. I recently, I think I've left the university life. I'm 73 now, so mm. um, so I think I'm out of the job market. <laughs> so what I'm doing, I'm creating my own um, my own new career, uh, which is writing and publishing. And, uh, and so to do that, I, there's a question that I always had and didn't have time to investigate. When we talk to ourselves, who is talking and who is listening? <laughs> um, because we do this all the time, much more than we're really aware of, because it's almost automatic. But sometimes we're very aware of it, like if, you know, if we have a difficult choice to make, we'll talk to ourselves. But uh, I really wanted to understand that. And so I looked at what does psychology mean? Um, you know, what is the sense of psychology? And this whole idea of that we have a conscious and a subconscious, for me, does not work at all. Hmm. And the big reason it doesn't work, for example, is it really doesn't explain our spiritual dimension at all. It doesn't address it. Um, but you could say that the spirituality is somewhere tucked into the subconscious, but everything is supposed so to be in the subconscious. The main um, explanation I've heard that is nice and simple, is that we have a subconscious, a conscious, and a superconscious. Well, yeah, there's that too. And so uh, Freud actually had an explanation of four different kinds of minds. And obviously Jung uh, mm. had the idea, he had a much more, um, let's say, radical idea of the subconscious. Uh, so I came up with this, uh, I actually did some original research mm. um, and did an analysis of many messages of what's important. And I came up with, this showed me the idea that we have four minds. Mm -hmm. um, so one of them is analytical, one of them I call protective, mm -hmm. which is our subconscious, most more or less. Mm -hmm. But then we have a, the, the idealistic mind, the, mm -hmm. the spiritual mind. Um, and that's the one that uh, connects us to, um, you know, the, the joy of nature and of, uh, of connecting with each other and so on. And then we have a natural mind. And, uh, not 
only did I live with monkeys, but I also um, spent nine years studying bison. I sat with bison, mm. you know, for in the prairie. Um, I've been uh, scuba diving recently with whales. So I have a very strong um, interest in, you know, in natural life. And I feel like that's not something that we should hate or fear. I think it's just one part of us. Um, and so my idea is that we have these four minds and that normally society breaks them up, you know, and it says all that we should do, not you, of course, but uh, our institutions say, just think, you know, just, just use our rational analytical mind all the time, logical mind. Mm. Um, and so what I say is that there are four different uh, partners, like a team, you know, mm. you, so you can have a work team or a family of four or something like that. And you can, if you communicate well, you'll work well together well. And so my idea is that including the spiritual mind, which um, we learn a lot from, that every, in every situation, if we bring our minds together, what I call aligning your minds, hmm. if we connect our minds and improve the communication between them, that the world tends to break apart, then we will be more confident, we'll be more comfortable, we'll be much more authentic because this is who we really are. Um, and we'll be more um, driven by our own reality uh, in various directions. So, so what I'm uh, working on now, my writing and all, is how to, um, how to align your minds, how to improve the communication within yourself. And uh, strictly speaking, our entire body is a mind. <laughs> Because it serves all the same function as a mind. Do you have a and process so, for this? Yeah, I've got I've got books. <laughs> In about a week or two, I'm going to publish three books, and each one of them has a different set of procedures that to do to this alignment. So mm. I'm a very practical character. I'm also I've been a carpenter. I was a screen printer. I was a forester. So I'm a very practical person. And so the, the idea of this is how, how people can um, uncover the, the mind reality. I mean, but if somebody said, it's not four, it's six, or it's three, or it's 22, I, that's, that's not the issue. What I want to say is that, that every part of us is, wants to work for us, including mm -hmm. our spiritual dimension, um, and work together with the other parts of us, that mm -hmm. this is natural. Um, and so this is what um, I'm doing in the books and the website, and uh, I'm just really getting started. You know, I'm a, a, a 73 year old uh, intern, but <laughs> <laughs> but you never stop. So anyway, no, yeah, as, uh, as all musicians know, right? The more you learn, yeah, the more between, you learn. What about you? I mean, how do you feel about uh, what did, would you say your experience, or is that something you? Oh, I talk about it all the time, but. Um, yeah, my experience, I'm, I'm very big into oneness, the connection of all things. I feel like for me, right. for me, this is my playground and my, right. and my prison cell. I can't really step outside of oneness comfortably. It's like, this is, this is right. where I live. Yeah. And, um, yeah. that gives me some great abilities in terms of understanding sure. the spiritual world and teaching all of that kind of things but it's also kind of limiting in terms of being able to socialize and fit in in a kind of ordinary way in the world i simply right. don't yeah right i uh, go to the sure. 
to the nightclub and you want to dance with everyone and I go like, mm -hmm. is this music oneness? No, it does not work. Okay, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Sure. laughs> so, so it makes you know it's good and it's bad as as all all our inner gifts always are. They always have that. So that that two sides. Well, edge. well, I mean, so words are such a, a sorry vehicle. I love mm. words, obviously. I'm a writer, you know, but. But in some ways, it's the weakest way that we can communicate, you know, like music and art. I, I love doing art, too. And, you know, all of these things um, we can communicate with each other. And what I'm hoping to do with the books is to it's a little bit sneaky. So don't mm. tell anybody. But okay. anyway, it's a I'm joking. It's a public I'm secret. joking. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is that by suggesting that people get in touch with all of their minds and how it works mm. and how the messages that they get and putting to putting them together to make decisions and to to experience the world you know like if you if you go to the beach um you you're going to have sensual experiences you're going to have spiritual experiences and social and um intellectual and so on um and so by doing that i hope that um that what i'm doing with the books and everything um, will really help people to uncover for themselves without me ever saying anything about you should do this or, mm. you know, but when you when you talk to somebody, they, you resonate, uh, you know, with what you mean, or who you are, and you don't really have to talk about spirituality or anything else, they get it, it comes across. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so I'm trying to do that if I can with the books as well. So, so we say that words are weak in terms of their ability to communicate, but it's not entirely true because words are also poetry. And sure. in poetry, we can express all of the things that we can express in music. And what is sure? really magical is the people who can do both at the same time. They can communicate right, yeah. on the conscious level I, and at the I same agree. time be bringing through the poetry and the energy and the presence of right. people. Yeah. And well, and something, something similar I, happened. I've learned to, this is what I'm you're writing, I'm yeah, to do. Yeah. Right. Go on. So, what kind of writing, aside from the things no, that I'm I've speaking, seen? Uh, not writing. Okay. I don't write very much. Okay. I uh, try <laughs> to write. It's very hard work for me. Speaking, I can do well. Um, and right. and so mainly, this is this is why I do podcasts and interviews and talks because it's just a lot easier for me than the writing so i have right. done a little bit and i still work on it and i still do a little bit but yeah one yeah. of the books i'm actually working on and is taking much longer than it should because i'm not motivated is uh, right. a translation of 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 um gospel of john from the aramaic oh wow um, in but in poetry in in an expressive language so I'm right, trying to right. put together something that gives you the feel of the right. reading of it but when you read it right. it affects you it uplifts you sure. because you know the, right. the 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 Bible the concept that the Bible is a sacred text comes from right. the use of the Torah of the the Jewish Bible which is sure. only the first five books of the Bible and only in Hebrew it's never, in, right. it's not in translation yet. It's in, in the original Hebrew. Right. And the reason for this is because there's an energy that's imbued in that text. And so 
even right, if you right. disagree with what it says, it still transforms right. you. Yeah. So I'm trying right. to give people an experience like this with the, the New right. Testament. And so what I've done is I've got the translation. It it doesn't turn out to be very much different from the other translations, just subtleties uh -huh. of poetry, really. But the, the, our translations sure. are fairly accurate in terms of literature. Right. Um, but then I'm putting in the text in the in the original letters so that it has the beauty of expression of right. that. And then I'm putting some classical right. artworks and making like that you open nice. this book and it's a transformative experience. This is, this well, is I'd, I'd love to see it. Please make sure to tell me when, when it's, it's uh, available. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I, and I agree about language, um, but of course the language and translation, especially you know, the idea of translating from one language and culture into another one um, is, you know, maybe the hardest use of language in the there is because mm. you know to to have to give the the music the poetry of it as well as the the technical meaning. But um, I did. I, I just thought I'd mention in terms of you know what I'm doing now. When I was a teenager, I wrote poetry like all the time, every day. It yeah. was my main passion. And then I stopped. I don't know. I guess when I started traveling. But anyway, about um, seven months ago, I started to write poems again, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, which was a revelation. I had no idea. I just, just you know, something told me that I should try writing a poem again. And I don't know um, how good it is or from anybody else's point of view, but for me, it was a wonderful process, you know, of discovering, uh, it, it was really comparing uh, our human lives to um, a guitar. You know, to the music on a guitar. I'll send you a copy if you mm -hmm. want. Um, and, and so this, you know, this poem, it just, where did it come from? But I was just open to it. And maybe I'll never do anything else with it. Um, but that's the kind of thing that I continue to do because it, it's still, you know, I'm still trying to explore and to understand. Um, because obviously, not for everyone, but for me, definitely the action and awareness is a kind of a spiral, you know, and when you do something, you learn spiritually. When you learn spiritually, it encourages you to do something a bit differently and they sort of work together. Um, mm -hmm. That's my, for me anyway, so. Cool, um, okay, so tell me where, where can people find you? What's your website that you mentioned? Okay, um, maybe should I send you a, the, yeah, but just um, to read it out to us now as well, so they have the... Okay, well, it's actually quite easy. So the name of my website is alignyourminds.com. So A-L-I-G-N. Your, Y-O-U-R. Y-O-U-R, minds, yeah, dot com. Yes, yeah. Alignyourminds.com, that's quite easy. And so you have yeah. their information about the books and information about... Yeah, the books and... Um, and all of the uh, other things that I'm doing. Um, so, for example, I'll be doing some, well, I, I'll probably have a podcast at some point, but, <laughs> you know, first things first. <laughs> um, yeah, because it, for me, this is a wonderful experience, you know, of, I'm, I'm learning so much, I'm trying to do so much. Like yesterday, I did some video and it didn't work out because I was doing the camera wrong. All of these things, if you allow them to be spiritual, they are, you know, they, because they force you to face yourself and to, hmm. um, you know, to sort of prioritize 
is a bit so anyway so can you give us a sneak peek at all can you give us a technique for, for aligning your minds yeah so um the i mean uh the first thing to do is to just be aware so for example let's say that you want to go and buy a new phone hmm. you know just um note mentally note down and even write it down all of the thoughts that go on in your mind um, as you're thinking about it, you know, it could have to do with the price or with the size or with the make mm -hmm. um, or with just how it looks um, or with what it reminds you of in terms of other phones you've had or whatever. Um, and so just to be more aware in a number of small situations, just to be open to listen to these little voices that normally we really shut out. You know, we because we're so busy thinking and talking and doing that we, you know, that that inner awareness doesn't happen very much. So the first thing is just to be more aware. Um, and certainly, for example, um, when you uh, when you're preparing to do music, or, or let's say translation. So let's say the next time that you're getting ready to work on your translation um, from Aramaic hmm. um, would be to think, yeah, you know, how can I? Uh, how does this make me feel? You know, what is, what is it? What is it bringing up in my own memories um, of my own experience, you know, from mm -hmm. what we would call the subconscious? And also you could say, and what is the sort of the social, what do I hope people will get from this, you know, spiritually, but also um, socially, intellectually or whatever. So it, as you're doing that, I can guarantee you that in fact, many different little conversations going on in your mind um, and when we uh, are doing something that we love, they all come together naturally. I mean, an orgasm is not a bad example mm. of that. But, you know, so whenever we do something that is very meaningful to us, or that like if danger or something, all of our minds naturally align for just a few seconds or whatever. Mm. But if you are first aware of that, then you can go on to the next step and imagine um, each of your minds, and uh, so if you think of the spiritual mind, you could think of like a sage or a shaman. Mm. Um, the intellectual mind, you could think of a scientist. Mm. Um, the protective mind, I'd like to think of a housekeeper. Our, mm. Really, our subconscious is a housekeeper. Mm. Um, and then the natural mind, I think of a leopard, or mm. I think, personally, I think of a monkey because... So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, and so just imagine there's a table and all of these uh, four minds are sitting around each other and you have, let's say, something to do, uh, something to decide. Um, or, uh, you know, like, should I continue writing or should I you know, make music or something like that? Listen to what they have to say to each other. And the interesting thing is that when we are open to that, they will actually naturally defer they will say, okay, you can, your analytical mind, you can take the lead because this is more of an intellectual thing. Mm. Or natural mind, this is more about uh, defending myself from danger or, you know, asserting myself in a, a strong social situation or whatever it is. Um, so if we're more aware, and, and then if we um, treat our minds as allies around a table, giving us advice, um, then uh, you, it's amazing how much, first of all, how much more aware you are of the different aspects of the situation, mm -hmm. because each one will have its own perspective. But then 
you will get such good advice. Oh, really? <laughs> and you know how when you try to make a decision and you think, oh, I don't know, should I have done that? Shouldn't I do, you know, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> if you make that decision with your mind aligned, there are no voices inside you to contradict what you did. <laughs> you have already prepared. It's sort of like getting the ingredients of a meal together before you cook, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so I have a lot of other, a lot of, a lot of sort of procedures to do, but these are ones that um, this, anybody could just try to do anytime, you know, to be more aware and to just listen to this, uh, this little council of allies that you have in your head. Fantastic. I, I hope so. <laughs> okay. By the way, th this is the first time I've, I've given I've given copies of my book to people, but basically this is the first time that I've ever explained this to anyone. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like you're very confident in the written form. Well, I try. In the same know. way that I'm, I'm more confident in the spoken form. You're more confident right. in the written form. We we have to kind of learn the other forms second because yeah. they don't come quite as natural to us. And by the way, the first book that I'm publishing is how to be more confident using your four minds. <laughs> <laughs> By Perfect. coincidence. Okay, so send us the links and, of course. Um, and we'll uh, put them in the podcast. Wonderful to have Thank you here. You. Thank you very much.